The second Sunday of Lent is kind of strange. But what's strange about it is also wonderful. We're 10 days into Lent, and perhaps some of, some of the initial fervor is beginning to wear off. The fire that you had on Ash Wednesday is starting to flicker a little bit. Perhaps some of the disciplines that you chose for this Lent are just not turning out the way you expected. Cold showers just aren't cutting it. No chocolate, no coffee. Sometimes our penances can even be counterproductive in a way, right? They make us grumpier, despondent, discouraged. And it's usually about 10 days in that we begin to wonder if we've gotten off on the wrong foot. That first doubt starts to surface. This is normal. It's natural. And it also raises a central question for Lent. Is Lent a season of abstinence that makes us enter into the gloom and darkness of the season, where we all realize that we're sinners and we're supposed to have that downcast face, look forward to Easter? Or is Lent, in fact, a season of tremendous light? What is it? Ten days in, as that fire begins to flicker, as our Lenten observances begin to get a little shaky, this is the time to ask the question, am I entering into a season of gloom or a season of light? That's why on the second Sunday of Lent, the church gives us the gospel with the transfiguration. All the darkness that we might have that might be creeping in is scattered by the torrent of light in the transfigured Lord. When, for a moment, all the surpassing glory and splendor of heaven comes crashing through the boundaries of this world, shining in the Lord's very clothing, in his face, all of a sudden we realize that the Lenten journey that we're on has to be with our eyes on the light of Christ. He is the morning star that scatters our darkness. That's the mystery of the transfiguration given to us only 10 days into Lent. Why this is important for us is because there's a challenge central to our faith that we sometimes forget about because we've got so many challenges. But think about this. In the creed, we proclaim, I believe in one God, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. Very quickly, we move on from that line and we get into the, you know, the real meat and potatoes of the faith. But the Lord has made all things, including the invisible, This is a challenge for us. It's a challenge for us creatures of sense who don't have some special, you know, antennae that connect us to the invisible. We don't sense it, right? And yet we believe 
in a whole spiritual realm, an order of things that surpasses what we can see, touch, feel. We believe in angels, for instance, creatures that have intellects, have wills. They love God more than we could ever dream. They surround us constantly, and we have never seen one. We believe in things visible and invisible. This is a challenge for us, because by our fallen nature, we are more easily attracted to the physical, right? The things that are showy, that catch our eye. And this can lead us away from the things that are above to the things that just easily attract our attention. Here's a great example. A friend of mine recently told me of what is perhaps one of the strangest penances I've heard. And I've heard some strange ones. It's very simple. He said, for Lent, I am going to never check my phone while it's in my pocket. So he tried it for the first day. Almost impossible. Try going a day where you're not reaching to find... It's nearly impossible, he found. And he realized that he was so connected to the screen, not just of his phone, of course, we're surrounded by screens, but the deeper symptom was that the visible had trumped the invisible. We love screens because they make something that's far away present to us right here. That's why we love it. We can be in touch with things around the world happening instantly. We can find out news at the scroll finger. This can addict us. It can take us away from the spiritual orientation of our minds. So that's the challenge of the invisible in our faith, but then the tyranny of the visible that surrounds us. We are easily tied to the things of this earth that we can see. And of course, God gave us sight. You know, the earth that we can see, touch, as a gift. But it's a gift that we have not done well with. That's why, instead of ruling over our passions having governance over our own sight, we find ourselves drawn in ways that we can't control. We find ourselves looking in directions that we oughtn't. We find ourselves drawn into the tyranny of the visible. The Lord comes to free us from this tyranny. Not by just telling us to close our eyes, He comes to reveal in his flesh the true reality that awaits us. God could have just saved us like that. He chose to come in the flesh to be visible to us so that we might be freed from slavery to this world for life eternal in the next. The Lord in the transfiguration then shows us what our Lent can be when we live in the light of Christ. 
Recall the story in Mark's gospel of the man that Jesus heals, the blind man. It's a very odd story. He took the blind man by the hand, Mark tells us, and led him out of the village, spit on his eyes, and laid hands upon him and asked him, do you see anything? The man replied, I see men, but they look like trees walking. It didn't work the first time. But notice, Jesus doesn't change his method. He doesn't say, all right, the whole physical laying on of hands didn't work. We're just going to step back, and I'm going to heal you by my choice, by my divine will. No. He laid his hands upon him again. And he looked intently. The man was restored and saw everything clearly. That's the way the Lord works with us. Ten days in, we might find ourselves like that blind man, half-seeing, in the process of being healed, perhaps. But we're seeing things strangely. We see men looking like trees and walking. We haven't quite got the full picture. The Lord will continue to lay his hands upon us, to heal our vision so that we might see this world in its true light. That's the whole healing process for Lent for us. It's not to move in one quick step to the next life. It's to learn to live in this world, to see this world, to see each other in the light of Christ. Everyone here has the same immortal destiny. It's somewhat shocking when we think about the diversity of our lives and that when we leave this church, we're all going to different destinations, after coffee and donuts and pork, of course. But we're all heading different ways. And yet, if you look around, all of us have been called to go on the same path. And this path means that in order to see the Lord together, we also have to learn to see each other aright. Lent is a time of grace for us to learn to see the things that are above, as St. Paul urges us. And the way we do that is by learning to see this world in its true light. That's what Christ will teach us if we let him in this season. Because all that the Lord shows us isn't smoke and mirrors. The Lord has laid his hands upon us, and he will do so again and again until we see him as he is. One of the graces, one of the many graces of the sacrament of the Eucharist is to heal. It's to elevate us, prepare us for eternal life, but it's also to heal. And so we can pray in receiving our Lord in the sacrament today that we might also, like that blind man, be healed to see with clarity. And like the disciples on that mountain with Jesus, that we might 
not be afraid, but open our eyes and see Jesus alone.